Well, welcome to Varsity Bible Church this morning. I want to start with a scripture here from Isaiah 49. And it says, Can a mother forget the infant at her breast, or walk away from the baby she bore? But even if a mother does forget, I'd never forget you. Never. Look, I've written your names on the backs of my hands. The walls you're rebuilding are never out of my sight. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father God, that worship is always our true home. Thank you that it is here that we are welcomed. It is here that we can show our true selves and be truly accepted and for loved for who we are. Help us in this hour to rest in your love, in the presence of your church family gathered together, even around our own TVs, in the presence of the children of God together. Amen. Why don't we sing together these songs of worship? In the darkness we were waiting Without hope, without light Till from heaven you came running There was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets To a virgin came the word From a throne of endless glory To a cradle in the dirt And praise the Father Praise the Son Praise the Spirit Three the lost to redeem the whole creation you did not despise the cross for even in your suffering you sought to the other side knowing this was our salvation Jesus for our sake you died praise the Till that stone was moved for good, for the Lamb had conquered death. And the dead rose from their tombs, and the angels stood in awe. For the souls of all who'd come to the Father are restored. And the church of Christ was born, then the Spirit lit the flame. Now this gospel truth of all. Shall not kneel, shall not fade. 
generations, your family and your children and their children and their children. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations, your family and your children and their children and their children. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you and within you. He is with you. He is with you. Within our midst, 
Is it good that we remind ourselves of this? Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah, who conquered the grave. He is David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slain. Is he worthy? Is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? Is he worthy of this? He is. Does the Father truly love us? He does. Does the Spirit move among us? He does. And does Jesus, our Messiah, hold forever those He loves? He does. And does our God intend to dwell again with us? He does. Is encounter with someone, something that stopped you in a way that you hadn't been expecting and sent you in a different direction? I'm sure if I gave you enough time to think about it, you'd come up with something, but let me tell you about one that I came across this week that caught my attention. I rewatched the movie The Blind Side that tells the story of a family who discovers that a grade 12 student named Michael, who is in their kid's school, doesn't have a place to live. 
They stumble on this fact by accident on a cold, rainy night when they're driving home and they go by this young man walking in the dark without a coat. The mum makes them turn around and go back because the scene is so unusual and disturbing. And in the end, they take him home, but just for one night. However, when it becomes apparent to them that he has no place to go, he is completely abandoned, they invite him to stay with them long term. The family falls in love with Michael and surrounds him with support and love and encouragement and with a lot of work on his part, he graduates from high school and gets a football scholarship to attend university. Based on a true story, it's a powerful picture of an encounter that changes lives. The story is both tender and lovely and I highly recommend it. But I want to reference one particular scene. If you could picture the mother uh, out for lunch with her friends and her friends are totally perplexed by the fact that she's asked this boy who she doesn't know to come and live with them, but they're trying to be supportive. So one of them says, it is so wonderful how you are sacrificing, taking Michael in, and I'm sure it will change his life forever. But the mother pauses a moment and then she says, no, it's changing my life. Encounters are like that. They profoundly affect everyone involved and from henceforth, no one is left untouched. So who have you had an encounter with that has changed your life and made you different from then on? Today we want to allow Mary Magdalene, a woman we first meet in Luke 8, to tell us about her encounter with Jesus and how for her, after that, everything changed. What happened, you asked? Well, good question, because we're going to have to stitch together her story from bits and pieces that Scripture gives us about Mary. As a woman, she's not central to the story, so not a lot is said about her. And yet, we know she encountered Jesus in a life-giving way. So what do we know? Well, we do know that Magdalene is not her last name. Rather, it's most likely a derivative of the name of the small fishing village in Galilee where she was from, Magdala. It's not unusual to identify people by the place they've lived. I remember as a kid praying for my farm grandpa and grandma and my Hannah grandpa and grandma. It was how I sorted them out and I wanted to make sure God didn't mix them up, I suppose. And there was a need to sort out the Marys in scripture since there were three of them regularly listed as followers of Jesus. In 2020, the most popular girls' names in Alberta are Olivia, Charlotte, or Sophia. But the top girl's name for the time Jesus lived was Mary, and there were many of them. So as not to confuse her with Mary of Bethany, who was the sister of Martha and Lazarus, or Mary, the mother of Jesus, or even Mary, the wife of Clopas, who gets mentioned from time to time, Mary was identified by her place of birth, Mary Magdalene. When Mary gets mentioned in a list of women who follow Jesus, interestingly, her name always comes first. And Mary Magdalene is mentioned by name more than most of the disciples. So in some way, she was significant in the small community of Jesus' followers. 
So what did happen to put her there, leading this list? Well, honestly, the most descriptive passage about Mary from early in Jesus' story is found in Luke 8, verses 1 to 2. And here is what it says. After this, Jesus traveled from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. Though there aren't a lot of stories told about Mary before Jesus' death, even though she carries the distinction of being mentioned often and first in lists of Jesus' followers, what the good Dr. Luke thought to leave us with when he wrote his account of Jesus was that at some point, Early in her life, Mary was an exceptionally troubled woman. As they understood it, she had demons, and not just one, but seven. The sense is that she was a mess. It would have made her behavior bizarre at best and possibly violent. She would have lived with a sense of pervading darkness hanging over her and perhaps fear that at any moment she might get out of control or act in a way that would drive people away for fear of being harmed or even associated with her, which would have caused them to shun her. Mary Magdalene would have lived a very troubled and unhappy life with no tools to fix or repair her brokenness. Try to picture yourself living with this heavy darkness looming over you every day of your life. Imagine how helpless and hopeless you would feel. Imagine that when you walked through the market or the village streets, people backed away from you or whispered behind your back. If we miss the sense of utter despair, then we will also miss how life-altering Mary's encounter with Jesus truly was. In the reading I did in commentaries, there is mixed opinion as to what being delivered from seven demons means. It could mean that exactly what it says, literally, that she had demons that propelled her to act and Jesus cast them out and gave her a new life. If you've seen the first episode of the series entitled The Chosen, you'll have seen a pretty good picture of what being possessed by demons might look like. If you haven't watched The Chosen, I wanna invite you to try to suspend all your skepticism about watching portrayals of Jesus and your need for every detail to be perfect and watch the story. It's actually quite good. If you're interested in finding this, check out Sermons Plus on our website for info on how to access the, ser the series. Being delivered from demons could mean that she was delivered from some severe mental illness that was debilitating. And the use of the number seven is used by writers in scripture to signify completeness. She was completely delivered or healed from whatever troubled her. Whether it was actual demons or something else, we know that when Mary met Jesus, he saw her. 
not as someone to be avoided or pitied or shunned, but as someone who needed the healing and loving touch of a good God. And he not only saw her, but he healed her. He did what no one else had been able to do, and it changed her in ways we can only imagine. She got a life that was not defined by darkness and isolation. She would no longer be a source of scorn or fear. And she'd be able to make friends and keep friends, love and be loved. When Mary encountered Jesus, it changed everything for her. And from then on, she devoutly followed Jesus as part of a group of healed souls who loved him and who provided for him and his disciples from their own purse. You don't use your resources or spend your life that way unless you feel deeply grateful for something and have found a place to be loved and included. And so that's Mary Magdalene's story. And I wanna ask you, have you ever felt that you have been seen by God? That you have been loved by him? That you can bring anything to him? and he will take you as you are. Last week, if you got a chance to hear Jenny Gowing's excellent sermon, she talked about the sinful woman coming to Simon the Pharisee's house and anointing Jesus with perfume. It's a tender story of another woman everyone considered unworthy, doing something both culturally awkward and worshipful. And Jenny asked, who was this woman? Well, interestingly, in the year 591 AD, yay, all those many years ago, Pope Gregory I associated Mary Magdalene with the sinful woman prostitute referred to in Luke 7. And even though the passage doesn't actually say that, the association stuck and people have since then assumed this to be true. However, Luke doesn't actually name the sinful woman. Maybe it was Mary Magdalene, the troubled woman living in the grips of deep darkness. But there's no evidence in the canonical gospels that this is so. She is also sometimes thought to be the woman caught in adultery in John's gospel, whom Jesus saves from being stoned. According to um, the movie, The Passion of the Christ, they identify her as that woman. But again, there's no evidence that this is Mary Magdalene. Other myths persist about her. In Dan Brown's novel, The Da Vinci Code, he resurrects an old and popular theory that Mary Magdalene was in fact Jesus' wife. It makes a good novel, but it's not in any way rooted in truth as seen in scripture. So neither theory, that Mary Magdalene was a penitent prostitute or a loving spouse, actually matches what can be said about Mary Magdalene from what's written in scripture. What we know for certain is that this woman from Magdala encountered Jesus, was healed completely from the darkness that had held her in bondage, and it changed her life forever. She became a female disciple, disciples being defined as followers of Jesus. And for most of Jesus' ministry, she is one of his patrons, helping pay for his way so that he can do the work he's come to do. The NIV Cultural Background Study Bible states, 
Although women in general had fewer resources than men in this time and place, some were wealthy and some scholars estimate that a tenth of all patrons in antiquity were women. Mary Magdalene, despite all her problems, was a woman of means and she shared them to make Jesus' ministry possible. When people encounter Jesus, it even changes the way they view their resources. We know that women in Jewish society did not typically carry important roles, which makes their involvement in Jesus' ministry more radical than normal for the time that they lived. In every stage of his time on earth, he modeled love for us, even to those society considered the least. And we know that Mary didn't turn back ever from following Jesus. When your life has been touched and changed by him, how could you? John tells us in chapter six of his gospel that there were all kinds of followers who stayed with Jesus until they couldn't make sense of him. And then they turned their back and said, these teachings are too hard. And so John says, from that time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. The 12 stuck with him, we are told, but unmentioned in the background is Mary Magdalene, who also doesn't leave. And it's more than his words of truth that she's hanging on. She's met Jesus encountered him in a way that changed her whole life and she's been freed from the darkness that enslaved her and she will never abandon her faith in him. Not when he says confusing things, and we know he did say things that made people raise eyebrows, and not when prevailing opinion of the crowds is that Jesus is not the Messiah, and not when others abandon him, and there must have been some pressure for her to do the same, not even when Jesus is ultimately arrested and tried before Pilate. When the rest of the disciples flee in fear, Mary is there. When Peter denies that he even knows Jesus, Mary stays the course. At the cross, Mark 15:40 lists Mary as part of a group of women who, though most likely afraid, stayed nearby. They followed Nicodemus as he takes Jesus' body to bury it, so they know where it is. Mary, again, is one of the first people to show up early in the morning, the day after the Sabbath, to honor Jesus' body by anointing it with perfume and spices. Not the disciples. They're still hiding for fear for their lives. Mary is there to find the tomb empty a first witness to Jesus' resurrection, and to encounter the angels who ask her why she's crying. It's Mary weeping by the tomb who encounters Jesus, although at first she's so consumed by grief she doesn't recognize him, and assumes he's just the gardener and begs him to tell her where Jesus' body is so she can care for it. And she's the first to encounter Jesus, to recognize that it's him come alive again. Can you even picture her joy? Jesus sends her to tell the disciples that he's alive. She's been referred to throughout time as the apostle to the apostles, the one sent by Jesus to tell others of him 
who will in turn and ultimately be sent to tell others about Jesus. Through Mary's eyes, we come a bit more clear about who Jesus was. He found her in her darkest place and did what no one else could. He healed her miraculously. She became one of his friends and one of his most, most faithful followers. Mary's actions perhaps speak the loudest as she chooses to support Jesus' ministry with all that she has to give. That all by itself is completely remarkable. She never let the confusion of questions that came up as Jesus spoke words that sometimes confused or baffled people, she never let that distract her from staying close and following Jesus. And nor did she allow the unexpected and difficult circumstances of Jesus' trial and death to send her sideways. To what she thought was the bitter end she gave her life to follow him and care for him. And she never turned back, never abandoned him. Her encounter with Jesus changed everything for her, for her whole life. So let me end by asking some questions of you. Have you encountered Jesus? And what does that look like for you? And how would you say that it has changed your life? Do you feel seen by him? Do you know that nothing is too dark or too shameful for you to bring to Jesus, the lover of your soul? And how have you encount your encounter with Jesus given shape to the way you live? Would you, like Mary, say it informs the way you use your time, your resources, how has your encounter with Jesus helped you deal with questions that confuse you? Or when life with all the things you expected fall apart, how do you stay close to Jesus and not give up? Will you allow Mary Magdalene to act as example and role model for what following Jesus faithfully looked like for her and invite you to consider what it might look like for you? Mary Magdalene would say to you, love Jesus with all your heart and soul and strength and might. He'll not leave you or let you down. He's there for you. He is for you. Earlier in the music set, the band sang the song, The Blessing. I love the words and the hope that comes from being held and blessed by God. Mary Magdalene experienced these things mentioned in this song. She felt his blessing. She knew what it was like to have his face shine on her. She knew his graciousness towards her. She knew the peace he gave her in place of the dark chaos that had dominated her story. He gave her hope. Do you know that these things in your life? I want you to listen one more time as the band sings for you the blessing and invite God to continue to show himself to you in encounters that change your life. Here are the words. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations, your family, and your children and their children 
and their children. Listen to the words of this song as you meditate on the story of Mary Magdalene. He is for you, 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 he is for you,
children and their children may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you and within you he is with you he is with you in the morning in the evening in your coming and your going in your weeping and rejoicing he is for you he is for wind our time together I want to say I'm glad that you were able to join us today and I just have a couple of reminders for you as you think about what it means to remain connected to your community even from a distance um, here are some of the ways that you could do that first of all um, each week we put out a blog it shows up on our website or on our Facebook page read those those are excellent and you get to hear from different people in our community about what they're thinking about and what's going on in their life or check out our facebook page maybe you do facebook and you've never um, taken time to go there it just helps you to feel like you are connected and then also um, make sure that if you um, want to give to the church that you've contacted Paula, as many of you know, um, our church was broken into and we had to reset up all our banking. So Paula is setting that all up again. So if you want to do on give, ongoing giving, please connect with her at finances at vbchurch.ca and she will sort you out. She's awesome that way. And finally, Wednesday Vespers. Wednesday evenings as it as the day winds up and the light decreases, we come and we pray together. It's a lovely time. Uh, please join us. You just have to respond to the link in the weekly email and we will register you so that you can be a part of that. So let me leave you with some words again from Jude, but this time a different verse than we usually read, but this is your benediction for today. Mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. So go in peace. Amen.